redeem this planet in the name of the Earth. Greeting, Earthlings. We have now taken over your radio. Hello and welcome to a podcast to be named later, part of the HP Basketball Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. Joining me on the other line, it's Chris Barnwell. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. Awesome. So we are kind of kicking off and re- rebooting, would you say, the podcast? We're kind of going in a new direction with it? Longer, more in-depth, right? Yeah, I guess that's kind of with it, although I think we're probably still going to do some of the old little hangouts that we were doing just... Not right now. Yeah, we're not hanging out right now. We're having a very serious conversation. It's not chill. It's <laughs> a very serious conversation about Boris Diaw and others. Boris Diaw, Swaggy P wearing Yeezys, um, the Nets, which is a very serious situation. We are, the Nets are super serious. Well, let's just start there. The Brooklyn Nets um, fired their coach, Lionel Hollins. Billy King is out, and he's still with the team in some weird He's got one of those jobs where he's just going to get paid and not do anything. That's his job right now. We all have friends who have that job, and now Billy King has that job. Billy King living the dream. Yeah, he's just going to have a little corner office. We're like, what's Billy doing? He's like, I don't know. Um, he's just kind of reading the New York Times. It's just watching anime on his computer, <laughs> reading reading the New York Times, and right. playing video games. He's on the dream. Crush. Yeah. Uh, kind of restocking his Indeed. And LinkedIn profile. Man, what a giant mess. What a mess. <laughs> what a giant mess. It's We all knew that they were kind of screwed when they traded for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, who were well past their prime at that point. But this level of screwed is just, it's really something. Can we just give a quick shout to Jason Kidd for being able to foresee the future? Or we can just give him credit for that and knowing... No, he out? didn't see the future, though. He's just mad he didn't get the GM position, remember? And he wasn't happy, and he got the hell out. So shout to Jason Kidd, smart businessman. Lucky. I'm lucky, not sure I'd go with smart. Smart and lucky. He's both. Um, Jason Kidd's got lucky with quite a few things, though, throughout his You know who's not yet lucky? Thaddeus Young. Oh, poor Thad. <laughs> save poor him! Stop Isn't he always... Save how, him! Has one player ever found himself on probably the worst possible team to be on? Like, he was cool with Doug Collins, and then Philadelphia tanked, and then he, he went to Minnesota, right? For Did like, he go to Minnesota? Like yeah. Like oh, real, right. He was like, in Minnesota. And just for, like, a quick to... minute, and then... And he was part of the Kevin Garnett trade. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, and it was like, you know, when they were really bad, and now he's with the Nets, and he's just like, well, oh my and god. And he had one playoff appearance, and it wasn't a fun one. <laughs> and then Brooke Lopez, his entire career... Just... Why did he resign? You know, why did both of them resign? I You never want to, like, you always say, like, don't you want to go to a good team? You never know with these guys, but it's just like, I don't know. He doesn't want they to They must move. really like Brooklyn. He must love Brooklyn. And how can you not, right? Brooklyn's, like, kind of New York. and It's, it's a borough. New York City, yeah, it's a borough. It's, I don't know. Where did, I don't even know where you, maybe you grew up around there. I don't know. I don't know anything about the Lopez family, other than that there's two of them. Maybe Prokhorov has some sort of blackmail on him. Jay-Z? Was Jay-Z involved right around that time where he resigned? Like, I think he had already sold his share of the team by that point to go be an agent. How's that Jay-Z going for him right now? like, bro, you should sign here. I'd be like, you're Jay-Z. Yeah. How, the, how did the agent Jay-Z thing work again? Isn't he still, is it like, 
Is that still a thing? Yeah, he still like kind of owns the firm. I think Jay Z has like a minority share and in interest in most things, but um, like everything, like yeah, the donut shop got, down the street, he's partial owner. He's probably got like twenty percent of Facebook. We don't even know. Like it, but he's I don't know. Like he's still got clients, right? Isn't A Rod still part of his deal? Is he? I don't know. Isn't it Rock Nation? <laughs> I think so, maybe? I don't know. Rock Nation's Jay-Z, I think, right? Yeah, Rap is an entertainment company founded by Jay-Z. Uh, Rock Nation clients. Here. This is really good for the podcast, just listen to me. Uh, why Why didn't uh, jo- Why didn't John Wall sign there? You heard about that, right? He fired Diane Fagan today to go uh, sign with Rich Paul. Because it's Rich Paul, and Rich Paul's like a freaking mastermind. He gets everything he wants. No, see, I was just like, isn't this going from a bad situation to worse? Rich Paul has done, Rich Paul got Tristan Thompson $82 million. Are you kidding me? Wasn't he supposed to get the max, though? But that was never going to happen. I guess. CeCe uh, Sabathia, Jonas Cespedes, Des Bryant, Victor Cruz, Nadamik and Sue, go figure. Todd Gurley, <laughs> uh, basketball. Justice Winslow is part of Rock Nation? Oh, my God. We're screwed. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Oh, Willie Colley Stein. That's a good one. Wilson Chandler. He just signed a nice deal, right? Uh, not just, but recently. James Young, the Celtics. Let's see, who else? Boxing. Uh, I don't know any boxing people. Yeah. Rock Nation. They got a nice little... It's a short list. Like, apparently, Wikipedia lists all of the people, but it's a nice little <laughs> list here. I mean, he's got Wait, Kevin Durant. How do we know this hasn't been edited by this point? Maybe Jay Z's editing it. Do not come for the, to this podcast for facts. Weren't we talking about the Nets? Yes, we were talking about the Nets. So we've heard a million hot takes um, about are the Nets in trouble? Is it as bad as it seems? Um, was it yes. right to fire Billy? Everything King? is as bad as it All seems. Of it is, Every single is, yes, one. Yeah, everything is horrible. Um, they still don't have a mascot uh, to speak of, and <laughs> I forgot about the mascot. <laughs> they can't the even get that night. right. When you know you can even. Aren't mascots supposed to be stupid looking? Like Bernie, the heat mascot? What the hell is that? It's like a red cotton ball. And they've, they've been rolling with that since the 80s. They're good to go. Anyway. Everything about the Nets has been wrong since they went to Brooklyn. Like, right. some people like the uniforms. I personally hate them. They're awful. They're boring. They look like uh, they look like what you wore in middle school. Like, they're like, yeah, we don't have much money, so black and white, no real logos, to di- no, di- no discernible unique things at all this is what we're rolling with they're so boring like some people love them because they're clean i i just find that to be the most boring uniforms in the nba there's a difference between boring and clean like toronto's ovo uniforms clean um brooklyn's uniforms boring they just look at like the generic thing you pick up at that weird store that sells like uniforms to little league teams (laughs) and that's our little league team Maybe everything's gone wrong for them since they went went to Brooklyn. Everything. So instead of trying to fix Brooklyn, as far as okay, what trades do they need to make? Who should they hire? Da 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 da. Chris and I are just going to talk about um, how we make them more fun because that's really what we care about at the Friendly Bounce and at a podcast to be named later is how to make them more fun. It, that might be more difficult than making them good because they're really boring. They might be more boring than bad right now. They're the most boring team in the NBA. Yes. As evidenced by our friendly bounce poll that went up on Monday, they were ranked 30th out of the 30 NBA teams to be most boring. 
Um, the only fun thing, and it's not even fun, it's more depressing, is Brooke Lopez. It got to the... It, it, Brooke How Lopez, dare you insult Joe Johnson like that? Oh, God. Joe Johnson's <laughs> not doing himself any favors this year. Has he made a shot yet? I don't know. Um, it's... Brooke Lopez is more... Because he's, like, always injured, and he's just, like, even when he's playing well, it's like, what's the point? It's like... Because he's on the nets, you know. So it's almost more sad than fun to watch him. Joe Johnson's the same way. It's like he spent like the good remaining years he had left with the Nets, and now it seems like he's done. And then Thaddeus Young, same thing. More sad than good, like we mentioned. Never been on an actually good team since he was like a rookie. And like, how do we just make this team more fun? Is there a quick fix solution? Do you have an idea, Chris? There's probably not a quick fix. But I, I do have a little bit of an idea here. The first thing is get rid of Brooke Lopez, Joe Johnson, and Thaddeus Young. Yeah. Veterans that know they're on a bad team are not fun. Right. They never are. Get rid of them. Ronda Hollis Jefferson, 40 shots a game. <laughs> there we go. Fix that <laughs> jumper real quick. <laughs> but seriously, we need some youth on this team. So send someone to, send the pick to the Sixers. The Sixers love picks. Get Robert Covington. Okay, players that we want, to, players that aren't getting the minutes that we want to see in other places. Right. Get Robert Covington. Okay. Go to the Pelicans. I'm get, sure they they are desperate to get rid of someone. Get Ryan Anderson from the Pelicans. Make him a stretch five. Just do it. It's yeah, fine. Sure. Why not? It's fine. Ryan Anderson. Ryan Anderson shooting threes. Like he's a veteran. He'll just be so high to be out of New Orleans, and I think he's contract short anyway. So he'll be planning to get out of that contract, get paid. Do the Nets have Andre Bargnani. Oh my God, they do. Play him. Keep him. Start yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, play him. Fifty minutes a game. <laughs> and just let he's him depressing do for he the wants. fans. He's fun for everyone else. We'll finally find out the mystery of Andrea Bernani. Just give him as many shots. Make him the center of the team. Everybody plays with him. Um, we need a slash, a slash and kick point guard just to kick it out to Bargnani shooting it from half court. Good lord. Um. But no, seriously, the way to probably make this team more fun is youth, athleticism. Yep. Somebody just dunk three point shooting. They really just need somebody that can dunk. Just work on your alley oop game in practice. Um, and this is dead serious. I mean, if you, you people wonder why they fire these guys mid year and so bad timing, sure. But Procraft probably is like, well, nobody's coming to the games anymore. I got to do something because all these tickets are just sitting here. Um, I, I want to give Prokhorov that much credit. I seriously think he fired Hollins just because they weren't winning games. You don't think he's looking at the stadium? It's empty. Like I think he's seen that, as but an I owner, think I think he's like, I gotta make a, I gotta shake things up because I gotta get some fans in here at least until the All Star game happens. I think he's seen that, but there's so much of a lost cause at this point. Like I seriously think he was just like. Oh, we're not winning games. I expected to win games because he just has the most absurd expectations ever. For you think he just angrily fired him? Like, hey, we're not winning. Like he like turned. Well, not angrily. Like, like firing firing Billy King. Like to Billy King's credit, everyone's pretty sure that he was following Prokhorov's orders, but he made some awful, awful deals. Yeah, just I'm trying to think of anything terrible. he did well. I mean, we're able to. Did he? I mean, wow. Um, like anything. <laughs> Like, the most uh, promising uh, thing I think he's done was draft Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and we don't know how that panned out. I feel like, like he, he kept something. Brooke Lopez there, right? He's got to get some credit for that. I feel like he did something well. We just It's so overshadowed by all of the bad things. Yeah. That... I'm Signing 
extending Brooke Lopez or re-signing Brooke Lopez was immediately... They uh, got rid of Darren Williams. They did get rid of Darren Williams, who actually played better on the Mavericks and is well, not... He looking. was just so depressed in Brooklyn. Yeah. See, that's the thing, is they're going to get rid of Brooke Lopez. He's going to be the best center in the league once they... Well, you know, he's going to be... They're all going to play better when they're not in Brooklyn. So that's... That's the problem right now, right? Is that even the new GM that comes in? He's gonna that's why you need. Guys. That's why you need the young guys because right. the young guys are too stupid to know any better. So right. they're just gonna have fun no matter what. But it's not gonna look good for whoever the new GM is either because those he's gonna trade these guys and they're gonna play better elsewhere because they're not gonna be like manically depressed and obviously play better that way. And they're gonna be like, wow, you just traded that guy and now he's playing way better over there in Utah or something. And see, you know what sucks for them is. They probably want to do what Portland did and just get rid of, like, everyone. Right. And just get all these young guys and to, like, throw stuff at a wall and see what happens. The problem is they just re-signed all these people. And they have no they... draft picks. I mean, Portland's their rebuild was based around at least drafting Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And well, right, but they traded, away, they traded away Batum, whose contract is about to expire in Charlotte. They traded away. They let Aldridge walk. Like, instead, they re-signed Thad Young and Brooke Lopez. And... Yeah. While those guys are tradable because they're good, they have no leverage, so they're not going to get anything good in return. Well, that's what everybody says. You can't trade Brook Lopez unless you get a lottery pick for him. It's like, but they have no leverage, and they have to get rid of Brook Lopez because they can't build around Brook Lopez. So I'd say just trade these guys for whatever first round pick you can get, and then hire some and just you know hire somebody that can that is a proven scout. I know it's easier said than done, but like. I'd just say, like, you can't really... The Nets don't have an option to be picky here. Like, oh, we're only going to trade Brooke for an unprotected lottery pick. Like, they don't really have that option. you got to just... I think you just hit the reset button here and just trade everybody for any first-round pick. There's somebody that's willing to give a first for Thaddeus Young. Somebody's willing to give you a first-round pick for Brooke Lopez. And somebody might give you a second-round pick for Joe Johnson. You know, what's ridiculous, though, is because they fired Billy King, they can't do that. They don't know who's making the decisions right now. Right. Well, they've got to do it. At some point, somebody's going to start taking phone calls. I mean, I would imagine, right? And as soon as they make a decision on that. So I guess, yeah, step one, make a decision who's going to be on the other end of that phone. And number two, just make the trades. I, I posted something earlier this week on some trades that would make the league more fun. And Brooklyn was number one. And I said, trade Brooke Lopez to the Celtics for David Lee, Jonas Drebko, and Dallas's 2016 or 27... Or, uh, yeah, Dallas is 2016 first-round pick. You get a first-round pick that's unprotected this year. Dallas is going to be pretty good, so the Celtics are going to be okay with parting with that one because they have to get rid of some of those first-round picks. David Lee is no good, but that makes the the salaries work, and he's on an expiring deal, so Brooklyn gets rid of that. When Jonas Drekbo is just there for filler, um, and he's like a nice backup big man that can kind of do stuff. Um, now we have Brook Lopez on the Celtics, which would be amazingly fun to pair him with Brad Stevens. But we're supposed to be making the Nets fun here. Yeah, the Nets get fun because now they have a first-round pick to work with. <laughs> that's not... No, we need something that's going to be fun now. They tri- well, they get the they get the young guy. You're talking... We need to get youth in there. They have to do it somewhere. True. We, we need someone... I'm just trying to think of, like... Right now? Like, at the trade deadline? <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not the trade... You're right. You're Maybe right. get rid of Jones Drekbo, see if they'll throw in that uh, the um, James Young or something like that in there. That would be fun. Or Ronnie Hood, I'm sorry. Apparently, Bojan Bogdanovic was in, like, a trade deadline, a trade rumor with the Hornets. What? I really hope they don't actually trade Bojan, not because I, like, think he's just this great player, but because 
that's a young guy, and I mean, he's not super young. He's like 26, but that's younger than what they have. Right. What do you think about uh, Coach Cal? $120 million. It's dumb. It's so dumb. He is not going to leave Kentucky unless they are... Going to give him $120 million. No, unless they have the one-and-done rule gone. He's not going to leave Kentucky. Well, what if... I think the other the other side of that is, what if he might be sniffing some recruiting violations coming down? Now, if that's a thing, he's got to be out of here by the, end of the, uh, by the end of the season. But... He's pull, like, a Pete Carroll. But, I don't know. I kind of like the idea for Brooklyn. I mean, think about it. Like, you're Prokhorov. You're like, money ain't no thing. I so don't you just because give the guy one hundred twenty million dollars over ten years, and then you what? Because what do the Nets need right now? They need they don't need a good coach. Doesn't matter. We know that NBA coaches, unless you're you know Greg Popovich or you know uh, I think Terry Stotts is one of the upper echelon coaches. You know Rick Carlisle, Eric Spolstra. If you're not with Stan Van Gundy, if you're not those guys, you're not making a major difference. He's Cal Perry's not going to screw anything up more than it's already screwed up. And he's not that like everybody says he's not built for the NBA. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I mean, he doesn't. He's not one of those college coaches that make people in a rigid system perform the way he wants. He just kind of like gets out of the way of talent. Like that's fine in the NBA. Um, he does talent. have a very abrasive attitude that everyone's commented on. Yeah, but his his ex players always love him. Right, but are they going to love him to win in the NBA? I don't know. Like the NBA is think... a long. Like the NBA is different. It's a business college is college yeah i mean i'm not saying i'm not saying he's a shoe in like perfect fit but what i'm saying is if you're brooklyn you need somebody to be able to recruit players to brooklyn at this point like you need somebody to stand up like and make your organization look cool and fresh and exciting and to recruit literally recruit players and that's what coach cal does the best he is he's not really a coach as much as he's a recruiter in college and he just needs to recruit guys i don't know i kind of like the idea in theory that you just pay this guy. You got nothing else to lose. If it doesn't work, fire him. Because, like I said, Prokhorov doesn't care about money. It's not an object to him. If you we're trying to make them fun, right? What? We're trying to make them fun, right? Yeah, that would make them fun. Mike D'Antoni. Would he make them fun? Mike D'Antoni. With what pieces? I don't know. I like the idea, fast, but super, super fast. I mean, I, playing the D'Antoni ball. Joe Johnson. Mike. Joe Johnson back with Mike D'Antoni again. It's perfect. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> they have no players. Do you just do you give D'Antoni full control? Do you Here's just the thing: GM and we're, we're not going to make him fun right. Here. We're not going to make him fun right now. I think you make him fun. But I think fun. if you make them play a funnish style, like you can at least make them kind. You can make them watchable. And then in a couple of years, hey, the sun, the Nets are fun again. I think I agree, and I think uh, something they like a big move like and Mike D'Antoni can actually win in the NBA, unlike Calipari. Right. D'Antoni, or even Calipari, they'll at least grab national headlines, and then that'll kind of gauge, that'll kind of spark an interest, and people will kind of tune in just because, like, the media is going to be talking about them nonstop. Calipari would do that more than D'Antoni. D'Antoni would probably make them actually better than Calipari. So, whichever one is more important for you if you're a Nets fan, you know, more headlines or better on the basketball court. You're not right or wrong if you want either one. That's fine. Um, but yeah, it's not going to be an easy, easy fix. I like the idea of D'Antoni in Brooklyn, but I also think that there might be a better job. That's the problem if you go after D'Antoni. He might just wait this out, you know? I don't know. I mean, I think he's... I think he really wants a head coaching job, and he's at this point where it's like, if someone offers, he's just going to jump at it. mid-season, you think he'd just go to Brooklyn? That's the thing, is what if... He took over the Knicks mid-season, didn't he? 
maybe he's learned from that. I don't know. And the Knicks at least had Carmelo Anthony, right? Like, Wait, was, no, I'm sorry. He didn't take it on the Knicks. He got fired midseason from New York. Never mind. Same thing. Um, <laughs> he, I don't know. I think, like, you know, he might be looking at Memphis or um, any any number of these jobs. Houston. I mean, any of these jobs that might be open. I, I think he, I think D'Antoni would be crazy to take the Nets job midseason. I don't know. I just see big market coach owner that's apparently willing to spend a whole bunch, the flash and everything. Like he didn't like his first. I mean, I can't imagine he liked the first time he was in New York. Now he's just gonna go to Brooklyn. Right, but this time he'll probably have a little more say over what's going on because he doesn't have. Uh, wait, who am I kidding? Kroger as the owner. If he wants that. I mean, the good things about the Nets, right, are that you have an owner who's going to spend as much money as it takes. He wants, to but he win. also wants That's to win. <laughs> he wants to win, but he wants to win now. So it's like a good and a bad thing. Like you want him to win now. That's great. Like you want, play, like Pat Riley and the Heat, they want to win now, and it works for them. But they make good decisions, and the Nets didn't. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't think D'Antoni is like D'Antoni. I've heard a couple times. I just don't think it's realistic. I think he's smart enough to wait for a better spot. Like Dan, if he's going to look at the Nets now or possibly Houston or Memphis at the end of the year, Houston would be a great spot for D'Antoni. James Harden, that'd be great. Dwight Howard, no, <laughs> I think Dwight and D'Antoni's relationships kind of spurned. Well, Dwight, if Dwight opts out, like he says he's going to. True. Well, I mean, he's going to the questions if he resigns or not. Yeah. Well, if Dan Tony goes there, he'd be like, look, I don't even need a sign. Hey, speaking of former Lakers here. There we go. Good segue. <laughs> so the Lakers are fun, and we're going to talk about them because Lou Williams dropped 44 points in a game in 2016. <laughs> Actually, ever. It, it was so what good. Was. It was so good. And it was so crazy. And he was just like, he entered that zone where he was unconsciously just dr- Like, he didn't even care. He just, like, went Kobe system. Full Kobe system. He was getting fouled behind the three-point line, and I'm screaming at my TV, why are you fouling him? But also, I'm so glad you're fouling him. I've never once... I found myself cheering for the Lakers not to win, but for Lou Williams to get 50. I didn't care if they won or lose. I just wanted Lou Williams to have 50 points. I wanted Lou Williams to break Kobe's record. 81 points? Just 82 points. That's not... He didn't have enough time for that. No. He could have had, like, two Clay Thompson quarters and gotten close. Um, but it's funny, the Lakers, they've been in this thing lately where when I watch them, I'm not cheering, like, I don't usually cheer when I watch games, but I kind of, like, cheer not for the Lakers. I cheer for their young guys to play a lot and for their young guys to play well because I want to see Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell play. Right. And I cheer for Kobe to be entertaining because this Kobe's last season and watching him go four of... 20 is not as fun as you would think it would every single game. <laughs> I don't, and then I cheer for random Lou Williams games of 50 points. Yeah. And Swaggy P wearing Yeezy boosts on the court like a baller. So $350 dumb. sneakers on the court. He could scuff them. <laughs> He's also an NBA player. He could buy more. Well, he has a whole, according to Lee Jenkins of Sports Illustrated, has a shoe closet with two employees, so or shoe house with two employees to man it. Incredible. I love it. Why would you ever wear Yeezys during a game? Unbelievable. People, like, idolize those Yeezy boots. I don't know why people idolize them. They just look like cloth that go over your feet. I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak ill of the Yeezys, but... No, they're not good shoes. But people idolize them, and he's just like, I'm just going to wear it to a game. Why not? I'm just... I just want to. I really want Swaggy P to just go to a pickup game and just be like, "What are these? Yeah, these are my boosts." 
I'm, I'm the first pick in this pickup lineup. <laughs> you know, he's been getting a lot of DNP CDs lately, and I'm wondering if that's partially why. Because he scuffed his boost? No, because Byron Scott's like, you are not going to wear these. He's like, yes, I am. It's like, then you're not playing tonight. <laughs> Swaggy is not going to waver on the easies. <laughs> That's the line. Like, right. Everything that in his career, he refuses to back down. Have you heard, this. real friends? I am wearing these. Oh, my God. He, <laughs> so, Byron Scott, he's coaching that team, isn't he? Um, how, so uh, Coaching depends on your He's turn. there on the sideline. He's kind of like he saying really things like, time out. And then they'll take a time out and they look at him and he's like, I don't know. Do what Kobe says. Do what Kobe says. Take off those sneakers. They're stupid. Be, uh, be right back. I'm going to go yell at D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle some more. No, no, they're the only ones that listen to me. Um, <laughs> they don't listen. He just likes to yell at them. And speaking of Lou Williams, once you get a Drake song named after you, basically, which was Six Man, do you have to listen to anybody at that point? Or is that just like the, I made it? Like, I'm not listening to Byron Scott. Who was it that got referenced in the last Kanye West song? Which one? The new one? The really bad one. The one, oh, the disc rap against Nike. Facts, yeah. yeah. Oh, he mentioned, uh... Ah, oh, crap. I don't know. Facts lyrics. Let's look it up. <laughs> We're gonna get this right. We try to get our facts right about facts here on the podcast to be named later. But anyways, while well, you do that, let's what we're going to do now, since we were just talking about the Nets. Right. And since the Lakers are they're a little more fun, but they're still kind of a disaster with Byron Scott going on and everything, and just Who would you rather be running right now? The Lakers or the Nets? I mean the easy answer seems like the Lakers because they got youth, they got future, they got the he Lakers needs, nostalgia. He swaggy P. He says Swaggy P running up the budget. But I think to make this a little more fair, if you run the Lakers, Byron Scott has to be your coach. Oh, that's not right. I run the Lakers. I can do whatever I want. But that he has to be your coach. It's the only way to make this fair. Otherwise, you're going to pick the Lakers over the Nets every time. That's not true. Because, like, if you're... Why would you pick the Nets over the Lakers without Byron Scott? You're stuck with the owner, right? True. And the buses, the bus family likes to treat the Lakers like a billion-dollar toy to argue over. Right. So either way, they both suck, whether or not you have Byron Scott or not. Like, But at least the Lakers still have well, – Mitch Kupchak might be a good coach. We're not entirely sure. I'm not co- coach, general manager. We're not entirely sure yet. Right. But they still have D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, draft picks, a future, most likely cap space. I mean, Kobe's retiring at the end of this year. They have, like, a possible goal here. The so Nets what would just... my job be if Mitch Kupchak's GM and Byron Scott's coach? What do I do? No, no, no. You're you're replacing Mitch Kupchak, I guess. Uh, but Byron okay. Scott has to be your coach. It's the only uh, way to make this fair. Fine. And and the the Nets. Oh, I see what you're doing here. Because I could say you just have to keep Billy King in house awkwardly in his corner office. <laughs> like he has to have a job. You can't fire <laughs> Billy King. That's Brock Rose's only. Unfireable. Job. He's he's untouchable. Um. Oh, speaking of uh, front office guys that are stuck in current, that former coaches stuck in front office positions, uh, apparently no one's seen Tyrone Corbin with the Kings for a long time. Was he with the Kings? I didn't even know this. Remember he got fired? Remember uh, he was the guy that replaced uh, Mike Dunlap, right? And then he got fired. Then he got fired, and by fired, I mean they moved him up to a front office position, position so they could hire George Carl. Right. 
I don't remember him moving up in that. I thought they just fired him. No, he got moved up. So Tyrone Corbin, Corbin is out. He's doing the. So Billy King's going to be the <laughs> take the Tyrone Corbin position with the Nets. But where is Tyrone Corbin? No one's seen him for a while. He's got that Billy King job. He's sitting reading Sacramento B in his corner office playing. King what anime Wars. do you think he's watching? <laughs> watching anime. <laughs> Billy King's watching anime. Which one do you think? Uh... <laughs> Corbin's watching. I think Corbin's watching cat videos. I think he's just like he he just found Piano Cat and he's like, Have you seen this? <laughs> he just now found Piano Cat. Yeah. He just found it. Well he's a coach, is that's a tough job. You know, he's the guy him. that like found out he's just now like, have you heard about this Jordan crying meme thing? <laughs> he's like finding like old records, like so this Kanye West is uh pretty good. Have you heard graduation? <laughs> he's like just now i wonder if that's what life is like when you stop coaching and you have like free time and you're not like just burying yourself in film you like finally get caught up in pop culture he's like this harry potter series it's pretty good um, you think he's using pwned shout out to tequila <laughs> um to answer your question i, I you, take, you take the lakers job even if byron scott i mean for no, for no other reason than you get to live in la right right you have to live in brooklyn it's nice and warm uh speak Speaking of somebody in California, can't beat it. It's great. Um, then, like you said, you have more cap room. I mean, if you're able to... It seems like everybody you talk to, players-wise, they all like respect the hell out of Byron Scott for whatever reason. Like It's like, we know he doesn't believe in three-pointers, but like we respect him. So like maybe you can recruit better players that way, and they'll just take threes, even if Byron Scott doesn't want you to. Like, I don't know. I take the Lakers job. All right, I understand that. Yeah. Now, for the sake of devil's advocate, I'm going to not only take the Nets, I'm going to take the Nets despite the fact that Byron Scott's not on the Lakers and try to make a reason for why he would take the Nets. Better ownership, because I think Prokhorov, as bad as he is, is still a better owner than Genie or Jimmy Buss. Well, because he's a better owner than the soap opera that that is, right? Right. So he's just one, one team, they one have, dream. We, yeah. They have their own slate of coaching. Of They have their own slate with the coach and the GM. I can hire whoever I want here. So, like, I can fix this. Yeah. I got seven-time All-Star Joe Johnson. Okay. I got Brett Lopez. I got Thad Young. I got lots of players I can trade. Or buy. And apparently people want to buy out Joe Johnson, but he doesn't want to do that, so that's kind of a weird thing right now. I think once you survive that initial crap storm, that they're going to have so much space and so much to work with. Yeah. That there's actually something you can work with here. It's going to be a long process. It's going to be like five, six years. But the Nets have a lot of potential here to just throw a blank slate. Yeah. Almost, the Lakers, almost. they're kind of stuck building around D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle now, who I like, but we don't know what's going to happen with them. Right. And all that said, you still pick the Lakers job every single time. Yes, every single time. <laughs> I mean, I will say this if I ran the Nets, not to circle back, but I'm, ho- I'm, I'm hiring Calipari at $120 million for 10 years. If I'm running the Nets and it's not my money and Prokhorov's like, whatever you do, want to do, dude, that's fine, I would definitely... Once in my life, I just want to hire somebody and pay them $120 million to do anything. And I would just do that to Calvary. Why not? That must be so cool, just hire someone for a whole bunch of money. It must be great for Calipari to just be like, what's your asking price? Like, somebody inside was like, look, Nets are asking. And he's like, what's it going to take to get you away from Kentucky? He's like, I don't know. Like, he's probably just joking. He's probably, like, half hammered. Like, but he's getting there. And he's <laughs> probably just like, $120 million, 10 years guaranteed. Done. <laughs> they all slap and then they like, okay, 
what Woj just got reported this. I don't know how. He's got the house bug. Uh, it's $120 million. Parker's like, really? That cheap? And then, like, if you're Calipari and they, in the, Prokhorov calls you from the Russian area code and you answer the phone, he's like, all right, let's make a deal. 10 years, 120, guaranteed. You no, have see, to take that if you're Calipari, the, right? Here's the thing. He's not going he's gonna to give Calipari some, like, normal offer, and that's the one that's going to get reported. And then secretly he's going to give him the Andre Karolinko deal. What's the Andre like, Karolinko deal? Remember when Andre Karolinko signed for some like ridiculously cheap amount of money to the Nets, and everyone was like, "He's getting something under the table here." Oh right, yeah. Calipari will be Calipari knows all about backroom politics and all that stuff because he's at Kentucky, so he's probably going to just bring that right back to the NBA. Well, I would agree with that. However, I would disagree because if you sign him Calipari for like a normal amount, that's fine. It'll get headlines, but. Calipari is smart enough to know that he needs to get as much media circus around the Nets right now in order to recruit players there that he'd probably say, no, report the full 120. They need to know that I'm the real deal, and they need to like talk about this. They need to talk about my contract for like three weeks. Because that would just blow up like ESPN Radio. Could you imagine like Skip Bayless talking about $120 million <laughs> for Calipari? Like, that would be amazing. Stephen A. Smith would be incredible. Like it would be must see TV, and even so, like if you're Cal Par, you do it right. Like either way, if it's under the table or not, you have to. Everybody's like, why would he leave Kentucky for 120 million dollars for 10 years? That's why. I already told you he's not leaving Kentucky until the one done rule is gone. Doesn't matter. Even if somebody calls with 120 mil. Even if someone calls, because you know what, he's just going to be saying to Kentucky, "Hey, pay me 120 million." They'll go, "Okay." Well, here's the thing. Even if it doesn't work in in Brooklyn, like, and they fire him, and he still makes all the money, he will have any college job he wants. Like, he could he could leave and get any college job he wants. Like, UCLA would be like, we want to be good again. Come to UCLA. Like, he can get any job he wants. I just can't see why like he two. leaves the fact that he has like his own empire for 120 million dollars. He probably so much makes- money. There's no way Kentucky pays him $120 million. The boosters do. Maybe. That's a lot <laughs> of money. I already told you about them backroom politics. That's a lot of money. I don't think, what do they make there, bourbon? I don't know. It's not oil money. All right, moving on uh, to the most important topic of the day. Boris Diaw, who has a kind of uh, uh, organic little uh, all-star campaign going. Um, totally, totally organic. Not started out of an email thread that we began. <laughs> Did not start thanks to Gmail. Gmail gets no credit. Um, it's totally, yeah, just I don't know where it came from. What if we got Google to retweet uh, to say NBA votes Boris Diaw? Google? Yes, Google. Would people retweet Google? I think we need a, like, I think we need like a Justin Bieber celebrity. Why who's, do people not? Why would celebrity? people not retweet Google? Who retweets Google? I don't even follow. Who Google. doesn't? Do you follow Google on Twitter? No, I don't. I'm going to right now. Right, right now, okay. Yes, right now. Okay, we're following Google on Twitter here on a podcast being named later. I guess I have to do it too. I don't even know if they have a Twitter. Thirteen point five million followers. Oh, we need to get them to retweet. I guess people would retweet Google. Like if Google was like search for. Google should just like tweet search Boris Diaw hashtag NBA, NBA vote. vote. 
And, and people are like, yeah, I'll search that. I'll tell all of my friends to re- to search it. Little do they know they're actually casting a vote for Boris Dio. They actually don't tweet that much. Well, what would they tweet? Four hundred. Uh, I'm surprised they're following more than 400 people. Who does Google they just, follow? They mainly just reply to people. If you get that Google follow, well, they just follow all the other Google apps, which are and President Obama, apparently. And Kerry Washington and Pharrell. <laughs> Good for Google. <laughs> Oh, no, see, here we go. As to the, wow, actually, they tweeted something at the end of 2015 only got 327 retweets. Ah, screw it. We don't need Google. Unfollowed. I feel like Google just follows all of the people that run the Google account. Unfollowed Google. Unfollowed. Google. So disappointed, them. Get your tweet, tweet game on. Not good, Google. So, no, we need to get, like, a French actor or celebrity or something. I don't know. Or just, like, any no, we European need, would we be No, we need fine. a country... You know why players like Jeremy Lin and Yao Ming get all those votes? The whole because they have for other countries on their side. Yeah. France is not engaged. We gotta get France engaged. Get Boris Diaw into the All-Star game. He will be the most interesting player there. He would not, at least not the best, the, the most interesting. Well, he would at least keep the glue of... You know how like there's no glue guys in the All-Star game? They all just go one-on-one and just like screw around? He would at least like pass to people and like try to like he'd be like no guys let's like actually play basketball and everybody'd be like all right we'll do it for Boris <laughs> <laughs> hashtag do it for Boris um, so anyway Boris Diaw has and this whole email thread that never existed but kind of did because we're gonna talk about it Boris Diaw has been in the news recently because he installed a cappuccino machine an espresso machine a in legend his locker a legend unbelievable. Great idea, by the way. What else do you want after a game? You want some muscle milk and an espresso. Perfect. Done. Now, before we get into all the reasons why this is an amazing idea, we need to point out why he loves his coffee so much with the greatest story of Boris Diaw involving coffee ever, courtesy of Amin ESPN on Twitter. He once told a story of Boris Diaw when Amin was still working for the Phoenix Suns mm-hmm. and how they were... Uh, Training up rookies that day for the like the rookie combine and all that. Boris Dio walks in and flip-flops with his cappuccino. His trademark cappuccino, by the way. He always had his cappuccino. And he goes, what is this? And they're like, it's the high jump. It's where we test to see how high rookies can jump. It's like, who got the highest? Like, Amari Stoudemire got it. He cleared the whole rack. So Boris Dio puts down his cappuccino, takes off his flip-flops, walk o- walks over, looks at it, jumps once and clears the whole rack. Walks over. Puts his flip flops back on, grabs his cappuccino, and says, "Not hard." <laughs> Boris Tea Time Dial. He makes it all look so easy. So this man loves his coffee, and he's also super athletic. And it gives him the power to jump. Boris Dial, the legend. Boris Dial is a legend. Um, and now he has an espresso machine. At, I wonder if it's that Nespresso machine that George Clooney and Dan DeVito advertised. I have to yeah, closer I, to the Instagram pics. I will say coffee machines are like very important to like daily lives. Like, um, I'm in an apartment and I went home for uh, winter break to go see you know family and all that stuff. When I got back to my apartment, I went to go use my Keurig one morning. It wasn't working. Oh my god! And then what did you do? I was terrified. Like I was, I was like looking around. I was like, why isn't this working? I'm like <laughs> pushing it. I'm like looking up stuff like Keurig not turning on on Google like. I'm just like, why is this not working? Like, it was the most terrifying moments of my life. I was like getting ready to call Keurig and like ask them what's wrong, like, you know, fix my life for me. 
Turns out the outlet wasn't. Turned out all the outlets in that wall burnt out somehow. I think a breaker tripped or something. So I plugged into a different outlet and I was good. But that was the scariest 20 minutes of my life. And so I am perfectly understandable of Boris Dia wanting a uh, espresso machine in his locker. I would want one too. 100%. And that puts us at a great conversation. If you were an NBA player and you can install or have anything at your locker, what would it be? ATM machine. ATM machine for going Shout to the Shout out to Sean Stevenson. <laughs> Just like, hey, look, we only have to stop at home. I got singles right now. One ATM machine, soft serve ice cream. Ooh, I guess some froyo, some mochi. Ooh, halftime froyo. Halftime froyo. Have a little, have a little uh, topping station with some mochi and some uh, some rainbow sprinks. Yeah, I could go for all that. Um, hey, you went to UCF, right? Yeah. Did they have toppers while you were there? No. They didn't. So you didn't have the little ice cream shop in the uh, student union. No, there's an ice cream shop in the student union. Yes, it is awesome. I go there like all the time. What what's it next to in the student union? Wackadoos. It's near Wackadoos. Oh, it's that right next place. to Wackadoos. Yes, I know Toppers. That place is dope. It opened up my last year there. That place is fantastic. Mondays is uh, two. Sorry, not Mondays. Uh, Wednesdays is two dollar cone day. I'll take a trip out there for cones. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Shouts to UCF. Go Knights. Um, Go nights, and uh, so yeah. So I ice cream. I would definitely want a soft serve ice cream machine in my locker because that's the most popular locker. I mean, right? I'd just be like, the media would walk over and like I'd get interviews all the time because I'd always be like eating my ice cream. I'd offer them ice cream. Great question. Would you offer ice cream to reporters? Of course. Okay, because you're biased because you have a, a a fiction for writers and stuff. But if you were like an NBA player that grew up like hating reporters because apparently they, they just do for some reason. There's some pretty good reasons for hating them, but there's some... I mean, you leave them soft serve because they write favorable articles for you. That would be a good... Uh, right. I would control my media presence through oh, yeah. ice cream. And then your your middle name could be like Chris Soft Serve Barnwell. <laughs> what is the uh, best Shooting ice cream guard flavor? for the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> What's the best ice cream flavor? Flavor, just in general, Rocky Road. You are wrong. It is chocolate vanilla swirl. Hmm. Definitely the best out of soft serve is you go with the vanilla swirl. And if you're at, if you're at Dairy Queen, you get the uh, chocolate hard shell over it. And then you just got the best day ever. Ooh, I hadn't thought about like when you're at different places. That's mm-hmm. a, This is an interesting wrinkle here. What is? Was an interesting wrinkle? Yeah, what's an interesting wrinkle? I missed it. What The location of your ice cream in my locker what are you talking about no <laughs> the best flavor is based on where you're at oh like in the yeah world. now now you're caught up okay um, i got like, you too busy thinking about ice cream i know i'm like just in the zone i don't know i like rocky road everywhere i'm a classic guy just go with the classics so you're gonna get rocky road ice cream in your locker rocky road ice cream in the locker no locker you need a soft serve machine so good point all right, all right so what are you putting in your locker i kind of like the soft serve idea to be honest i was just gonna go with the espresso machine <laughs> you wanted another espresso machine it's just two espresso machines one just like make dual espressos there's a lot of good ideas i think you could get um do like a disco ball something like really cool 
one of the little toy disco balls that you had like when you were a kid, like a lava you know, lamp and a black light. Yeah, just all three, just the holy. Turn trail. off the turn off the lights in the locker room. Everyone knows you're about to come in. The disco ball turns on. <laughs> uh, I think obviously you get like a really nice speaker system, like a subwoofer, like a 15 inch, like you know, just to just get everything lit right before a game and after. Um, but when it comes down to it, gotta go with the beer tap. Ah, gotta go with the beer tap. Some something on draft, you know, a nice Lagunitas on draft. Have a Guinness, right? <laughs> Have a Guinness at halftime. Guinness at halftime, something nice and heavy, <laughs> kind of weigh you down for the second half. Look, Daryl Armstrong used to drink like six cups of coffee with a lot of sh- with like three pounds of sugar, like. No cream or anything, just coffee and sugar before yeah. games. So, I don't want to hear anything about Guinness being like the thing that no one can eat, can right. drink. You can have like one of those chilled shot machines, like what they do for Fireball, but not for Fireball because Fireball's gross. Like I don't know, you do like chilled shots at halftime if you're like up, if you're down. I feel like this would get kiboshed way too quickly though, like. Espresso machine, cool. Ice sauce serve ice cream machine. Yeah, alcohol, no. The Adam Silver will not allow it. What doesn't? What Adam Silver doesn't know doesn't hurt Adam Silver. That's all I'm saying. The media will know. No, you just keep that keep that under wraps. Put a few more jerseys. Like, hey, hey, Wes, why do you have so many jerseys in your locker? It's like I gotta look fresh. And then behind all the jerseys is the draft. I don't know. Alrighty then. I got a whole plan. I've already planned this out. But clearly. All right. Well, I think now that we've decided that, um, no. Well, you want to talk about Spurs Warriors? The sure. biggest rivalry. Right, some actual basketball. Yeah, <laughs> we can finally get to that. Something that happens on the court. So, um, Spurs Warriors—they're up and down, one and two in the power rankings. Who's better? Who's worse? Chris, what's your hot take? I think the Spurs might be better. Hmm. I don't think they are. I'm not sure they are yet. I need to see it. Like. What's what's dumb is I'm like I need to see in the regular season. It's not going to happen in the regular season. Someone's going to rest. Neither of these teams are going to show anything. Right. But just the Spurs are playing this style that could totally mess with the Warriors. They are the opposite of them in every way. They shoot mid range jumpers. They play big. They play slow. Like the only way in their similar is that both teams are defensive teams. I like. The thing about the Spurs is that they do what the Cavs tried to do better, right? And the Cavs had some success, some success in like the first three and a half, four games of the finals last year, slowing it down, being efficient with their shots, being careful, playing really good defense, rebounding the ball. The Spurs do those things well, right? Like if they want to get a rebound, they can. They have a Marcus. And they're still playing like the Spursian way that we've come to like know them in the last few years. They're going to get the shots that they want there for the most part, right? Like they they slow the ball down, but they they have but they're not slowing down the game and just like playing ISO and just kind of like deadpanning for like twelve seconds. They're like going through their motions, like their ball movement stuff. Like they are gonna they can wear the Warriors out. You know where the Warriors want to shoot in the first seven seconds, the Spurs will wear them out with like you know, 15 seconds left on the shot clock or 15 seconds off the shot clock at a time. And the Cavs had some good luck with that, or they, they played well with that against the Warriors in the finals last year. I think Spurs could do that in a matchup. I think that that's kind of what you do. to the If you could slow them down, you've got to get them out of their game, and they don't, they're not going to make mistakes. I kind of like the Spurs in a matchup. So I think there's two different questions here. One-on-one, who's better? I kind of like the Spurs in that matchup. 
you also tend to lean to the Spurs because they have like that veteran savvy. They didn't get a chance to play the Warriors last year in the in the playoffs, right? Like we all expected them to. But who's better? Just like who's just the best team in the NBA? I think that's the Warriors. I just like their record is thirty six and two. They haven't lost a game in a home in thirty six games. Like they're unbelievably amazing. And I think one like if you're gonna pair them up against every team in the NBA, they're gonna be the favorite in every single one of those games. Right, and every single point you made is right. It's just I look at that matchup, and really the way that you beat them is like a like you said, it's the cab the Cavs style of slowing down and everything. But what's funny about the Cavs style of like slowing it down is like they can never get their offense going the way they want it. Right, and even then, when they slow it down, the Warriors are still in all those games. Right, they are never out of a game. Like if you want to get in a fist fight in a slugfest with the Warriors, they are going to do it, and they're going to do it just as well as you're doing it. My question is, do you ever see the Spurs blowing out the Warriors? But then do you ever – no, right? Like, you never see the Spurs. The Warriors can get blown – the Warriors got blown out by the Mavs. Like, they can get blown well, out randomly. they didn't randomly. have Right, but the, the, my point is they can get blown out randomly. Yeah. But Every like, team can get like, blown out like, randomly. Yeah, any team can. But, like, more likely, like, I see the Warriors blowing out the Spurs. I still – Oh, think, right. If they get going and they start playing super fast and, like, yeah. the Spurs get caught up in a running battle, they're going to lose. I mean, the best player in that matchup is Steph Curry, and he doesn't even matter if he's open or not. He could just hit anything. And Klay Thompson, even to a degree, when he gets going, can hit anything, whether or not he's got a hand in his face or not. I want to see Kawhi on Steph. That's, because... That would be the move. I mean, I was at the I was at Heat Warriors last night, and I'll just tell you, Justice Winslow, who everybody compares to Kawhi, at least on the defensive end, he I know Steph Curry didn't, like, he didn't hit every shot that he's usually going to make. Like He missed probably five or six shots that I would expect him to make. But... Even so, he scored 31 points, but Winslow, like, played really good. Like, there was, a, there was something there, like, Winslow fighting over screens and just sticking on him, like, never getting away from his hip, getting in front of him multiple occasions when he's shooting. I think Kawhi can do that, and Kawhi's longer than Justice Winslow. That would be awesome, Kawhi on Curry. Right, like, that's the one thing I really want to see is how is Curry going to adjust to a guy like Kawhi Leonard guarding him? The because... problem with that, and then, is, like, what do you do with, like, Draymond Green if Kawhi is going to be on Curry? Like, you don't put Aldridge on Green, right? Like, Duncan. Duncan's, Duncan's still Green. a really good defender. He, yeah, but he's Green likes to do a bunch of stuff. Like, he likes to move around a lot. Like, that's asking a lot out of Duncan. See, this is the thing that I kind of love the most about Curry is he bends the defense entirely yeah. the minute he crosses the half-court line, which is really cool because it allows Draymond Green to do this thing where he practically runs the offense. I'm really curious to see if Kawhi is on Curry the second he crosses that half-court line, how's Draymond Green going to do it? I want to watch that. I want to see them challenge him. It's like, all right, big guy, you think you can be the point guard? Be the point guard. Beat us. That's not a bad idea. Make Draymond Green beat you. And that's not a shot against Draymond Green, and Draymond Green will gladly take up to that challenge, but I want to see a team challenge him to beat them. Sure. Um, it's a fa- I hope we get to see it. I really do. I mean, that would be probably the best possible outcome. But I mean, look, we, we, we were talking about this. Finals. We were talking about this pre-show, how, like, it feels like the NBA is kind of lacking storylines right now, but I feel like part of that is... We only have three real title contenders. Like everyone's been kind of, kind of talking about how the West is down this year and how like the East is more competitive. But three. when you still look at the East, who are your like, three? sorry, who are your three? The Cavs, Spurs, and Warriors. 
I don't see you anyone else that can beat him. You don't put the Thunder in there? Uh, the, the Thunder can't defend. I know it feels weird to go against Kevin Durant and Sergei Ibaka and Russell Westbrook, but until they can play some defense, just uh. I feel like the Thunder are in a really weird spot, but that's for another podcast. That whole topic, but I feel weird not lump. I I feel weird not putting the Thunder in there. I'd say like there's like four teams. I mean, I don't I don't buy the new Clipper. I, I don't buy. I don't think it's wrong to put them in there. Sure. I just don't see how they can beat either the Spurs or Warriors. And the so. only reason you put the Cavs in there is because they're probably going to make it. So they're going to. They have LeBron James, and they're definitely going to win the East. Yeah. And like I said, like the West is definitely down this year, and then the East, like it's up this year, and still no one's as good as the Cavs. So like we have this really weird situation where we don't have very many title contenders. Yeah. And it's not because the NBA as a whole is bad; it's because the good teams are just that great. Yeah, the good thing is that some of those, you know, those B plus A minus teams are super interesting. I think there's like some really interesting teams, and a lot of teams in transition. Like you think about a team like the Indiana Pacers, like they're a couple years away from being really interesting, and like the Hornets could have a chance to be super interesting. The Orlando Magic, really interesting. The Heat, you never like whatever happens with the, their off season. I think there's a lot of teams that could be like really interesting. But uh, yeah, I think we're about to see either a change of guard of like contenders or. I'm really not sure what else would happen, Like, but I just feel like we're about to see that. There's going to be a... This league, it feels like it's in flux a little bit, right? Like, there's kind of like this new generation kind of coming on. And I think it's headed by Steph Curry. You know, he kind of... That's, that's like that post-LeBron. Oh my god, Durant's going to be the old guy soon. Durant's going to be an old guy, yeah. Weird. He needs, to get, he needs to get on a better team. Um, all right, well, I think we're, we can leave it on that cliffhanger. Um, this was the a podcast to be named later, part of the Hardwood Proxies and Basketball Network. This is Chris Barnwall joining me. I'm Wes Goldberg. We are both writers for Hardwood Proxism and The Friendly Bounce, where you will find this podcast posted and on iTunes. Check it out and check out the whole network on Block Talk Radio. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining me, Chris. No problem. Glad to be here.